My name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series will contain interviews I conduct with women, female-identified, and non-binary individuals regarding their professional stories and personal narrative as it relates to their perspective. This podcast is designed to hold a space for all individuals to learn from their counterparts, regardless of age, status, or industry. We intend to transparently investigate the evolving global dialogue regarding underrepresented figures in all industries across the USA and abroad. By hosting these stories and conversations, we aim to contribute to the changing platform and representation of these individuals for the future. If you are enjoying this podcast series, be sure to check out our subsequent series called Roundtable with Patricia Kathleen, where we talk with a panel of guests regarding key topics that arise in these individual interviews. You can subscribe to all of our podcast series on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean, as well as our website, patriciacathleen.com. You can also contact me directly via this website or through my media website, wild.agency. That's W-I-L-D-E dot agency. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. This is your host, Patricia, and today I am sitting down with Annette Klasowski. She is the consultant and executive coach. Um, Her website is www.fpov.com as well as www.annetteklasowski.com. Welcome, Annette. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited to climb into, um, you have your hands in a lot of different pots as we spoke about briefly off the record. Um, And so I'm excited to climb through some of those things. Before I read a quick bio on Annette for everyone listening, the podcast um, roadmap, if you will, today will follow the trajectory that all of them in this series does. We will first be looking at Annette's academic background and early professional life, and then we'll turn our attention to unpacking um, Future Point of View, which is a business she's the co-founder of, as well as some of the other endeavors that she's working with the Women's Executive Board and Women's President's Organization, to name a couple. Then we'll turn our attention to goals that Annette has for um, any and all of her endeavors for the next three years regarding scaling, expansion, all of those things, which is kind of an interesting one given the current climate. And um, we'll wrap everything up with advice that Annette may have for those of you who are looking to either get involved with her or emulate some of her career's success. A quick bio on Annette before I pepper her with questions. Annette is a sought-after consultant and executive coach in all facets of organizational culture and leadership development. She is the owner of the Women's Executive Board, a leading pioneer advisory group for executive women and chair for the Oklahoma chapter of Women's Presidents Organization. Her forums include female executive members representing companies with over 40,000 employees and $23 billion in total annual annual revenue. She was recognized by the journal record as a woman of the year nominee, has been featured in the Entrepreneur Magazine and was recently made a contributor on the topic of AI in the workplace for Forbes Magazine. So Annette, that's a, it's a hefty, hefty background. I, I love the resume and I want to kind of get into all of it. But before we get there, I was hoping that you can draw us a picture, if you will, a broad picture of your academic background and early professional life that brought you to this point. Sure, sure. I grew up in a family that owned their own businesses. My parents had owned their weekly owned newspapers. So when I went to college, I was a public relations 
degreed person and I was going to get into the media and go back and run newspapers for my parents. But um, I live in a very small town, moved to the city to go to the University of Oklahoma, and I have not left the city ever since. So when <laughs> I left school, I was just trying to find a job and public relations is still somewhat of a general degree. So I started with an architecture engineering company mm -hmm. and they were a large international firm and I worked under a business development VP and which also housed their PR and community outreach. So I really fell in love with business development and building community and sales and marketing, all those aspects. So I did that for a while and um, I found myself in the lead position, the lead PR person at a very young age. So most people that reported to me were a lot older than I was. So it was, it was a little bit of navigating for me. Um, so that was interesting. And I think I was young enough that I, I didn't know what I didn't know. So you just mm -hmm. think you can conquer the world. I was one of those people. Um, I left that firm and went to a little bit smaller firm and helped build their business development arm. And then I went into economic development for the city I live in. And I love that because we helped create knowledge-based jobs, which were high-tech jobs back then. So it was almost, we called it information technology. And so my experience there that I worked under um, Steve Kreidler, it, it was phenomenal because we were trying to recruit people to our city with college degrees and master's degrees, but really specialize in some kind of a technology back before that was really kind of the thing, mm -hmm. especially in Oklahoma where I'm out of. And then we put together the first angel investor group in our area. So I, again, was young. I learned a lot. And because I thought I knew so much, I then went out on my own and started my own business, which was, has always been in my blood. And yeah. again, I think it's what I didn't know that, you know, that I didn't know. So I started consulting and I would just work with um, tech startups because that was where I had a lot of connections. And I was really doing about whatever they needed. I, I was outsourced. So they would outsource their marketing arm. And then my whole marketing spill was, I really don't want to get married, so we'll just stay engaged and then I'll try to find you the partner for life. And then I moved on. So I was just an outsourced, really executive. Um, yeah. During that time, what I found was the most of the time the founder or the president was usually the issue with growing the company, scaling it hiring people, working with people. And I had zero skills or background to know what to do with that. And I was young. So when you say I, the problem, do you mean that they were um, preventing the scaling or, or somehow their vision was conflicting with where the company needed to go? Yes. Yes. Okay. They either couldn't hire and retain people. They didn't have the vision. They were in love with their own idea, but it needed to, to expand or, or change or they were just struggling with relationships, you know, in yeah. business and building relationships. That's when I started and kind of found my lifelong love. Um, I start, I got um, certified as a coach and then I was certified in anything you can think of spin selling Myers Briggs disc certification. If, if there was a certification uh, EQ yeah. And what, you know, communications, I went and got all kinds of uh, certifications because that's really how I trained myself 
to know how to work with the leader and build teams. And then I really started going down that road where I understood business strategy. And then there was a people strategy that has to blend. Your people are the ones that execute your strategy. And if those don't mix, if you don't have the right team, then that's where you really start seeing issues. So that's kind of where I started my, my lifelong love that I still do is tying that business strategy to your people strategy and then coaching along the way. Um, I've had a lot of different um, things that I've done through that, but really I started the Women's Executive Board in 99 and that was a peer advisory board. Um, I actually started when they were, it was a co-ed group in the beginning. And what I found was the conversation was just different when we met. And so we split mm -hmm. out the men and the women at the time and I have always held on to the women's groups and the conversations go different. They're more real for what's happening for that person. And again, it was in, you know, the late nineties. So it was mm -hmm. a lot different landscape. So that, and, and I've had that group, I've had those groups for years and, um, love. I, I always say that's what I would do for free because I love that piece of it. And then have always continued to coach, work with executive teams, really help people, sharpen their skills as a leader, but also push their organization. Future Point of View is a company that um, it really looks out over the horizon. And my husband and I co-founded that and he is the technologist and he's visionary and looking at what, how technology really impacts society and groups. He does the strategies, but when they start to integrate new out of the box, strategies around technology or digital transformation, then the people get in the way, right? It's change, it's leadership, it's usually a level of leadership. Um, back when generations really, I think were more distinct, the older generations didn't know how to adopt the technologies and so they were laggards or couldn't lead a team, they didn't have the skills. And so, you know, I've seen a lot over the years just with the generations really I think it's changing. They're not as diverse as they were because um, we're going to have, you know, six generations in the workplace. And most of uh, the majority of people grew up with a, you know, I call this my outboard brain, my phone. <laughs> most of that, the generations grew up with their outboard brain and they just understand tools. They know tools. And um, I didn't grow up in that generation. So I was the clock in clock out generation. So um, I've seen a lot. So that's kind of my background and how I, um, you know, I've had a tech startup um, in it. We still have it. It's um, called Survey Source, and we created um, surveys. So it's culture surveys, a leadership 360, a team effectiveness survey. And uh, that was very, you know, different. And mm -hmm. I went through the whole startup process and building a technology platform. And um, I, you can teach an old dog new tricks, I learned. And um, but that's, I mean, that's just, I have that, um, I still, I still have that, how hard could it be kind of mentality. Mm -hmm. And I just jump into things. And um, probably one of my best skills is finding people that are a lot better than I am to be part of a team or, you know, to move things forward. So that's kind of my background. And that's exciting. I mean, it's, it's, it is diversified. It makes a lot of sense with every step you talk along the way, um, you know, being excited by, um, a new release and, and some of the software boom and things like that, and even having been involved in developing, you know, your own investment kind of opportunity in Oklahoma, being one of the first flagships to do that. 
I'm curious with the founding of Future Point of View, there's a couple of things that I'd like to know about. And one of them is, it sounds like, um, you know, the, the exact skill that it offers is one is the number one one that has changed the most in the entire economy, as far as I know it, in the States over the past two decades, which is the advent of social media and the new tech meeting, the new forms of marketing. It wasn't just new software that put everything on its head and it kept continuing to do that, you know, with the utility of each software being changed. Instagram used to be just for photos, then it became for jobs. Now it's supposed to be totally over compared to who you talk to, you know, about, but all of these different things, it's not just the advent of new software. It's the utility of it. It's the application to the client. It's being creative with the industry the client is coming from. All of those things, um, it sounds like that's your repertoire, you know, with what you're doing at Future Point of View. How do you stay abreast of it all? Do you have this kind of You'll change as the tide changes. Do you change per each client's needs? How is, how is that all being met and answered to? Well, we have a pretty futuristic view. And I think what we are really um, excel at is our intellectual property. So we put things, because sometimes technology is complicated. We have a visual language that we can teach executives to help them understand. Because I, I think the biggest thing that impacts organizations it really is around the executive of tomorrow looks nothing like the executive of today. Mm-hmm. So an example would be, you know, when you start interviewing and I'll just say a CFO, let's say, you know, it, you know, in, in not the not too distant future, those um, CFOs will come and say, look, here's the AI, I, AIs I use. Here's, you know, how I do business. Here's how I relate to the generations. Here's the technologies and tools it's not going to be the financial acumen that's going to be given, you know, which before it was, there was this financial acumen of a CFO that you hired. It's a lot broader now. There's a whole digital aspect to that. There's data. So we, what we do is yes, we have a very futuristic view of how we think, you know, things are going to look all the way to where people will have implants and how they process, you know, Mm -hmm. to education will look like. But, but what we really work with companies on is, are you doing business process mapping and blueprinting? Do you know where you're taking in data? What are you doing with that data? One of our newest things now is teaching companies how to create citizen data scientists. So not that you're gonna have to go hire this data scientist that's been skilled and trained, but it's the citizen data scientist, right? It's the people that are in your organization that are in a lot of different roles. and so. I think we move with where um, with where things are going. We were one of the first groups to do digital marketing and and how do you pull people in and do a digital strategy? And then we kind of moved to relationship journey mapping. And then, you know, in the key, it, things just keep going. Um, we have another thing we talk about, which is humology. And humology is what is the percent of human versus machines that you really need to have in a process in your organization so you know before and in, in, let's just talk about insurance claims before you know it was highly human you know you mm-hmm. had an accident in your car you called a number a person answered it you may have to take your car to a shop well now you know you don't even have to call a person you just take a picture of it it's you know all done digitally and you could process a claim without even talking to a person or sitting down in front of a computer so 
um, or a toll booth. You know, before you, there was a person you handed the money to, and now we have multiple states that are connected, and I can drive my car anywhere, and I'm automatically charged for whatever toll roads I use. So it's a scale, and I think, you know, we'll work with companies of where should your scale be on that? Should your warehouse have all robots, or should it be a hybrid? And, and I think what's really interesting about the time we're in now, we've done a lot about, we were doing remote work and home-based teams um, several years ago. We've had the technology. Mm-hmm. It amazes me the companies that have not been prepared to have people work from home, you know, with this pandemic. But there are a lot of companies that were thrown and it's not like that's new, right? It's it's not right. like, you know, we it's like email and fax machine, right? We had a lot of people still in the fax machine phase. And so we, you know, immediately when that happened, started just doing free webinars on home-based teams and how you lead them and what are security things you need to think about and how do you, what tools do you use and, and you know, whatever. Move all your meetings. It shouldn't interrupt your business. Continue as is, just use Zoom or some, video conferencing tool. Um, and then now we're moving into how are people going to um, start moving back into going back to work and what does that look like and what is that planning? So we're just kind of right on that edge. Yes, we, we can do the far and the, you know, cutting edge leading and pioneering piece, but um, we use a visual, which is a conveyor belt. And it, it, as leaders, you really have to know what's coming on those conveyor belts that's mm-hmm. going to impact your company. So it may be something that's an AI and you have no idea. You've never heard of edge intelligence. You don't even know how it's going to impact your company. Well, that would be on the far right of your conveyor belt. As it starts moving through, you start, oh, okay, now I'm aware of that. Oh, this is how it might be used. And then it starts where I'm working on integrating that into what my company does and then it moves into, yes, that we, we operate with full AIs across our organization. So there's just a lot of tools um, that we use to try to help people. It's all about vision, having vision mm-hmm. and being able to create revenue on demand, move your company forward, be relevant. Um, you know, we worked with a company that uh, in the beginning when they were very first having apps and trying to create, you know, your customers use everything on the app. If you don't have an app, they're not going to do business with you. And so they were one of the leading people in their industry. It actually was a, it's a a franchise for hair, uh, haircuts. And they have an app where you check in, you do not have to walk into the door, sit in a chair and wait for somebody to call your name. You just check in. They tell you when they're 15 minutes out. And they kind of did that way before that was what people were doing. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of how we work. That's, that's really what future point of view is. Well, speaking of that kind of a niche industry, do you have industries that you've worked more with or that you specialize in or have you kind of gone, have you gone across the horizon? We've been across the horizon. We work with a lot of risk pools. We work with energy. We've worked with uh, manufacturing. We've, um, I mean, it's really been kind of all over the place, but those are some that we really medical, you know, healthcare uh, back when, you know, electronic medical records were coming on, I mean, it, it was, you know, amazing how difficult that was for mm-hmm. healthcare organizations really to, to um, kind of get their hands around. So, um, but with the tools that we have, we have a digital maturity assessment. There's nine areas. So we can go in and assess a company 
and really tell a company where, hey, here's your strengths, here's where you're vulnerable. Um, we, one of them is even cybersecurity. So we kind of cover the gamut in that, but, but the industries are really all over. You know, it and doesn't really matter as long as you have people, processes. What about this size, what kind of a size of a company do you feel like you, you cater best to? Um, probably the $20 million company uh, up probably is the, our sweet spot. And um, we've had bigger, you know, we've had really billion dollar companies. And then we've also had smaller companies than that. Um, we've actually, there's an actual manufacturing company that has, I think like 60 employees and they do maybe, I don't know, 12 to 15 million. And they've been actually a great client of ours. So, but it takes the right CEO um, because it's just investment dollars, you know, that they put in. Um, right. And sometimes we go into companies and do project rescue too. You know, they're, they have a legacy system and it's, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to upgrade and they're going to have to do something different. And we have to go in and kind of work with the vendor and help them um, kind of navigate that so they can have the development that they need around their systems. But yeah, absolutely. How has your, your company in that sense grown? So, you know, have, you have the first couple of years of it being a startup or whatever, but since then, have, how is, have you guys capped at a certain point as to how many people you'll bring on? Has it ebbed and flowed? Has it gone through different um, phases? And when did you officially launch um, Future Point of View? Future Point of View was started in 2002, officially. Mm -hmm. And really, it was, we kind of left our corporate jobs and went out on our own. And we were just doing consulting and um, never wanted to have employees again. And, you know, that, that thing, we kind of enjoyed that for a couple of years. And then we started building the consulting firm piece of it. So we, you know, we, with what we do, we have to have pretty high level consultants that have, um, it's a lot of different skill sets that, that we need and expertise. And so we grow, um, and my husband speaks, and he's on the speaker circuit, so he speaks, and that's really kind of what he does. We get a lot of leads and a lot of visibility <laughs> through that, but as far as just operations and the consulting side, um, it's really hard for us because we, we have really no desire to build a huge company and have a lot of people, but yeah. yet we really want to help a lot of companies, and so we operate really kind of with a hybrid model of we have a client services team, we have some lead consultants on staff, and then we have a lot of 1099s that we work, which let, allows us to scale when we need to scale or bring in a certain expertise when we need to bring in a certain expertise. So, um, you know, we, we um, I don't know, it's just hard to, to say yeah. we could grow a lot faster um, if we wanted to, but it's, um, it's hard. And the interesting thing through this last couple of months, we have actually grown a lot, just added a lot of business, which is interesting. It's just kind of interesting that we've been busier than we have been. And um, of course, we're trying to help customers, you know, switch and move and kind of pivot with where they are too. But we've been really busy. Um, I've heard that from a lot of people with, with, you know, the potential to help even virtually like that as well. Online um, services, CTOs for hire. I think a lot of people, um, despite, you know, being uncertain economically, they're trying to clean up their virtual presence. Even ones that had a, a really tight virtual game, you know, are going back in and making sure it's competitive because right now it's the only presence. 
And so there's this kind of race to it. So that's not shocking for me to hear about you guys at all. I do like that expansion and and contraction model that you're on as well. I think financially, there's um, there's a lot of sound advice to be garnered from that. You know, when you have these um, kind of contractors that can come on per project, and so your overhead isn't contingent upon that. Um, I think there's a lot of yeah. safety as a founder within that and a lot of um, savviness. It is tricky, though, because to retain that, you can't be, like you're saying, you can never go too large, right? You have yeah, to be yeah. kind of able to handle that. Um, and then there's the other side of that where there's a lot of, I think, that people overlook when you have a kind of an operation, how much labor is put into finding and maintaining relationships with those contractors and getting the right skill and retaining the skill and then replacing skill that leaves or whatever it may be. Yeah. There's a lot of work on that back end. You're being kind of like your own agent. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering, so given, I know that the current climate has changed everyone's personal dialogue with this. And so we can either say prior to the pandemic, or if you've had a dialogue that you want to divulge, I'm wondering what the goals for the next three years are for you um, regarding future point of view or any of your other um, endeavors. I don't know if women's executive board has something really exciting and feisty on the horizon or how any of that goes, but do you have any future goals that you've made either prior to or even including the pandemic? You know, it's, it's been a really good time. We, I call it a reset. You know, I've really spent a lot of time on what, what this reset is going to do. Um, so one, one thing that I have already implemented is my women's executive board was very local to where I am. Um, and I've expanded that to virtual. So I have been bringing people on from all over the country into these peer advisor group. It is an unmet need in um, just in business in general. And so that has been really rewarding is to kick off. I'm kicking off um, a group that's made up of um, startup executives. So they're founders or startup executive. And so they will have their own peer advisor group. And then I have uh, two other groups that I lead that, you know, when we have just a mix from all over the country. So that, that's one thing. Um, just expanding kind of what I do. The Women's Presidents Organization, they have a presence. Um, they're international. And so it's been really um, great to see how all the chairs from all the different countries and the states have really responded and put out content to help really to survive, sustain through this pandemic across the board. So there's been a lot of um, trainings and I think just um, expertise around what the government's doing, what are the funding options, who can you bring in to help, what are the resources, where, where do, if somebody's struggling, where do they go to get help? And everybody's just kind of joined in. And um, so spending more time in those communities for me I think is really important to invest time. Again, it's, you know, they always say you get out of it what you invest in it. And we get so busy. I think we forget that that is a, could be a priority and it could actually really be lucrative and you can leverage that. So one thing that I really want to do is um, kind of expand kind of my community involvement. There's um, a group that's the 2020 women on boards movement. They're doing a lot of great things across the country. And so I've started getting involved with, um, with groups like that. And then what we're really looking at is for future point of view, we're really looking at what, how can we help companies to where 
they don't have to bring consultants, fly them in, put them in a hotel room, bring them in person. Like how do we get them comfortable after experiencing, you know, things from the start to the end, and maybe that's through the end of the year, who knows how long this, you know, goes, but can that change to where people are comfortable doing things virtually and can it be actually a higher quality of involvement and engagement? So, Mm. so far the workshops that we've been doing with groups virtually and with everybody in their homes have been a higher engagement and participation than um, they have seen. And so I think trying to expand that to where, you know, we aren't road warriors as much, you know, you can do things, um, we've been trying to help associations, organizations that put on conferences or events to figure out the virtual aspects. So there are some that are way ahead that have, been, have always been virtual that I, I just spoke at a virtual conference and it's, they've always done it and, you know, they didn't skip a beat, didn't, it didn't bother them at all just to keep going forward. So I think looking at that, at that um, and it kind of expanding what we offer and how we, you know, really work with that. The other thing I've thought a lot about is the executive of the future, and it's really mm-hmm. not even that far off, but it's how do you coach somebody that really wants to be the next CEO, COO, but they really don't have um, some of the skills that they need, those technology skills, even understanding technology or they don't understand the visionary piece of it. Like how can, you know, can we put that coaching program together that really helps executives get to that next level? So, I mean, those are a few things. Um, Yeah. This really is something that's right. Just kind of what it's right in the lane of what we've been doing. Um, The other interesting thing that we are, we've also thought about because we're all, but you know, home, I'm, I'm in my office today but we don't, all of our teams that are working from home is, could we change how we operate where our office environment is really our co-working space, our creativity space, and our event space. So we go in for our Zoom updates and webinars, or we bring our clients into that space. Anybody can go work from there, but it's not the halls with doors and offices and right. break, you know, like, so we're trying to really think about what is that next kind of, you know, have more of a co-working feel space that's a, that invites our clients. We have a lot of clients that have a lot bigger buildings than we do, nicer space, and they come meet at our space because there's just this vibe here that's kind of creative, out of the box, um, and they get to break away. So that's some things that we're looking at as um, trying to reset and what we can do that might look different. Yeah, absolutely. And I like the idea of what you mentioned a few minutes ago about, you know, this concept of, of taking the current climate and and looking for the unique benefits of it, you know, and the clarity, there's a lot of different attributes that can come from a virtual presence, even where um, in a situation where someone thought you really needed a physical one, you know, yeah. and, and looking at how to come at it differently to deduce maybe even a beneficial impact specifically, um, for one's own industry that's going to change to the tone and model of whatever your you know your endeavor is i'm wondering um as we wrap up our conversation today if you had a, like a top 3 pieces of advice that you would give um a young woman or a female identified or a non-binary individual anyone other than a young male um that was looking to you for your kind of your worlds of wisdom, these pearls of, you know, of advice that you'd have, if you have like a top three 
um, even that you have found just recently that you would offer, what would they be? Um, I think I'll do the one that might be controversial first. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I, uh, I really, and, and I say this understanding the state that things are in, and where, where women are, and I know there's discrimination. I mean, I, I don't say this um, blindly, but don't allow what you think is a ceiling or what you think is not possible to be a barrier for you. Because I think when you pick up that cross to carry, sometimes we speak into being things that, you know, might not be there. So what I encourage, what, or, and it could also be, you don't feel you have the background. You may not be accepted. You're not smart enough. What, whatever that is, it's, it's like connect to what you're passionate about and, and go there because you will figure out how to make money. You'll figure out it, it becomes this, um, you know, magnetism that happens. People become attracted to you and, and when, when you're in the space you're supposed to be in, you know it because it's fun, it's easy. It doesn't mean it's not hard, but like it just clicks. And if doors close, something else opens and um, you just have a different vibe about yourself. So I encourage people to, to kind of let go of those labels or blocks or whatever that you're holding. And if you're in an organization that... Um, you know, isn't moving you up for whatever reason, go someplace else. Like don't, don't mm. invest in a relationship that doesn't value what you bring. So you find that place. Cause there, there are lots of places that would value that. So, so that's kind of my first, my first thing is, you know, is really, and, and it's amazing. I talked to a lot of people that have been executives for a lot of years and they don't, they just kind of landed there. They've grinded it out. And now they're wanting to know, gosh, is this what my legacy is going to be? And it's like, just like, just have the courage to, to go. I just talked with somebody this morning about, um, they want to make a move, but you know, what came out of her mouth was I, it's probably going to be six months before I'm going to be able to do anything. And I go, yeah, if you say six months, it yeah. will be six months, but yeah. how about next week? Like you could do, you know, you could actually capitalize right now with your skill set. So it's amazing how we hold ourselves back. So that's one. I think two is there's a, we teach a thing called the river of information. And I think you have to have a process of how you bring in information, how you kind of learn, gain knowledge, how you, that conveyor belt, how, what, how are you knowing what's coming along that's going to impact you whatever your interests are. Um, and I have a river for my personal as well as my professional, but you really need to have and invest the time in your river of information. And so we kind of teach a process of how you do that. A lot of mine's on, I have an iPad, I have an iPhone, I have different things that come to those devices because I, I read them at different times. And so my phone, you know, if I'm sitting in a waiting room or someplace, I can, I can access, you know, my river on my phone and then on my iPads where I'm really maybe sitting on my patio or reading before bed or something. Um, and then, you know, separating that out from email or making it go someplace. So it's really controlling your river and also making sure things are getting pushed to you so that they're at your t fingertips and that you're constantly harvesting knowledge. Um, the, the next level of that, and we do that in our organization, is everybody shares their river. So 
if we have 20 people reading and learning and they're sharing the top nugget, you know, I might pick up, you know, 19 other things that I might not have found. So it's, it's being able to be in that to where it's the knowledge shared and you're learning. Um, it's really key to, to be a continual learner, I think. So that would be my second one. Yeah. And um, the third one, um, you know, I think you have to always brand yourself and think about your presence and, um, it doesn't matter background where you come from, what kind of job you work in, but I just believe that you need to invest some time in your own executive presence and which is social, you know, how are you out on social? How do people find you? Um, are you, and maybe that might be mentoring, maybe it's investing in the community, but it's also this brand and, and being part of something bigger than just you sometimes helps. So I think those are the, you know, the things that are maybe not as normal as what you would, would find. Um, I'm a true believer too, I'll say is, you know, I say read a lot, but you don't have to read the whole book. <laughs> I very rarely find a book that has new thoughts, like actual new thoughts. And so, you know, a trick is if you find a new book, you can skim through, pick out the pieces of it or get a summary and find things that work, but um, just constantly be harvesting those things. And then just making sure that you have your presence and um, you put thought into the things that you're engaging. And um, because again, it's, um, I used to have my old Rolodex in front of me that reminded me, you know, the, the spin one (laughs) that reminded me like, you know, that, that was how you were valued as an employee is the Rolodex you brought. And now it's so much broader. And so uh, people, um, uh, you can't have the excuses. I don't understand social or I'm not on LinkedIn and it's just, you can't do that anymore. So it's, um, you know, find, find somebody to help you kind of get up to, up to speed on those. Absolutely. All right. So I've got down, um, don't allow what you think is not possible to be a barrier and to connect with what you're passionate about and go there, let go of labels. And then the second one is the river of info. Um, and you know, you need to have a process with how you use and implement information in your life. And the third one is always brand yourself, always be keenly aware of what your brand is or should be. That's fantastic. Well, we are out of time today, Annette, but I want to say thank you so much for lending us um, all of your candor and your wisdom. And I really appreciate it. You are welcome. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. For everyone listening, we've been speaking with Annette Klaslowski. You can find her at www.fpov.com and www.annetteklaslowski.com. Thank you for listening. And until we speak again next time, remember to always bet on yourself. Sláinte.